You're listening to Japan Baseball Weekly. News, interviews, analysis, and hot takes about all 12 NPB teams. Hosted by Jim Allen and John E. Gibson. Hi, and welcome to the Japan Baseball Weekly Podcast. It's for the week of June 6th. I'm John Gibson, and with me on a Sunday night is my friend and my partner, Jim Allen. How you doing, bud? I'm doing well. Yourself? Uh, how's, how's your uh, transit life going? Not well, but we'll skip all that. I am still wiping humble pie remnants off of my face after last week's mislabeling of MPP Reddit as Canadian. I'm sorry, Ben. I apologize. You know, I'm old. I misremember things. And as I said on the show last week, it had been so long since we spoke. But I distinctly remember you saying Canada, and I never asked what part of Canada and blah, blah, blah. I must have remembered you or confused you with someone else or something. I'm old. Give me a break. But I apologize, everyone. Uh, Ben is from Seattle, so I apologize for that. And, you know, I wanted to play that interview for my college sweetheart who's from Banff just to get proof. But I mean, I I noticed that Jim didn't notice anything either. And he agreed that you sounded Canadian. And I should have asked and just apologies to you to Seattle to Canada and to every every person out there who's got a little bit of Canadian twang in their in their speech. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to add to that. Wow. I was quite a mea culpa. Oh, well, you know, you don't want to mislabel people. And, and again, no, I you don't know. But, no. but I, I think for penance, I, I'm going to have to move to either Seattle or somewhere in Canada just to uh, because I was bragging about how my ears were so good and how I could tell <laughs> from and all this other stuff. Man, humble pie. It doesn't taste good. And even when you drop, you, know, you spill a few crumbs on your shirt or your clothing, they make you eat those, too. So <laughs> it's awful. Dude. It's awful. All right. Yeah, John's wife, John's wife's going to go, what is this on your shirt? What were you possibly doing? And why does it smell so much? Yeah, and it's not washing off here. We're going to have to discard this uh, garment here. All right, people, on this week's show, we have a conversation with former Lotte and Major League skipper Bobby Valentine. And we're going to look at the second week of interleague play, talk about the top performers of May, go rocking with Roki, and more. So let's start swinging. Clearing the bases. All right, so Bobby Valentine, many of you will remember him from his time here in Japan. He was the skipper of the Marines in 1995, and then he came back to guide the team from 2004 to 2009, won a Japan Series title in 2005, and the team finished second in 2007. And he departed the organization under, I guess, what were what's the peculiar circumstances peculiar circumstances thank you jim it 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 was just weird uh he's now part of the los angeles angels pre-game and post-game crew and he has a good look at shohei otani that's why we're having him on the show but uh you know i've always admired bobby for his leadership and his control of many facets of the team and the team aspects it's not just getting the players ready and having a plan with analytics and metrics and all those things. But he handled the media so well. He was, remember, I think I remember telling you on the show, Jim, how things that uh, the body language he was really good at when something negative would happen, he would, he would not look down. He would not 
you know, he was always in the dugout. He stood up a lot. He was one of those standing managers, but he didn't look down when when things didn't work out exactly as as they had planned or something negative happened. He would he would keep his head and shoulders up high, and he was always proud. And I, I always thought that was great leadership, great uh, body language uh, leadership in terms of showing your players that you know when when it, even when something goes bad, you just dig in a little bit harder and and try to turn it into a positive or make it make it into a positive. And I think Bobby excelled in that, in my opinion. So every time we talked to him, and I was very fortunate to be able to reach him and, and set up a time to chat with him, uh, I always think I learned something. And a lot of times when I was able to go out to Chiba and, and cover those games and sit in on the pre-games and go to the post-game uh, media scrums, I just remember I, I always tried to learn something from Bobby and, and I definitely took things away from um, whatever he said to the media, not just in terms of a guy getting a hit or a guy making a pitch or a guy making a play, but the whole aspect of baseball, because he always gave really good nuggets. And I think he gives some nuggets in this chat. So let's take a listen. We're talking with Bobby Valentine, former Marines manager, and now he's doing pregame and postgame with the Los Angeles Angels. That's difficult for me to say, Bobby, because I moved to Los Angeles in 1971 and they were the California Angels. So... <laughs> But thanks for joining us this morning. That's interesting. I kind of moved to L.A. in 1971 to play with the Dodgers, and they were the California Angels then. It is difficult for me to say L.A. Angels also. <laughs> thanks, Matt. Hey, man, I can tell you this. It has been a while since you've been uh, managing in Japan. We miss you. We miss Frank Rampin. We miss Paul Pupo. We miss all the guys who were there at that time, during, especially during that 2005 season when you guys ran all the way to the Japan Series. So we, we've been missing you for a while. So thanks a lot for being on the show. Well, I appreciate that. And it's Paul Pupo's birthday on June 4th. He's going to be 75 years old, if you can imagine. So, yeah, I miss all those guys, too. All right. Let's get into it. So uh, you get to comment on Shohei Old tiny, the the image of a two way player who's pretty near elite on both sides. How much does that impact uh, what you're seeing uh, in the change in baseball? Well, Otani is uh, spectacular uh, on both sides of the plate, and you know, uh, John, he could have as many as five more home runs with uh, just a little luck. Even last night, he hit one the center field, deepest part yeah. of the park. You know, he hits them so high that outfielders have a chance to get back to the mm. wall and make these crazy plays against them. And last night, Aaron Judge was able to uh, take a home run away from him. And he had he's had, I'm, I'm sure, five of those balls that were off the top of the fence or caught right over the fence um, uh, so far this season. But he he's you know, special and different. And I don't think that um, there are many people who could actually uh, endure a major league season uh, playing both ways the way he does. His preparation is is uh, impeccable. It's, uh, it's more than most people are willing to do. And he does it routinely, uh, both keeping himself mentally and physically ready to hit and pitch um, at the major league level. And um, that separates him from, from most. 
Now, how much would you have loved to have a player like this on one of your teams? <laughs> <laughs> well, I really would. And, and you know, if, if you go back into those crazy uh, Marines days, I drafted a guy named, I guess it was Yaganita, who I tried to make a two-way player uh, in the minor leagues. Uh, he's a left-handed hitter and pitcher, and uh, people didn't know in high school if he was better hitter or pitcher. I said, well, let's let him do both. And uh, because it was so uh, radical of an idea, it was not met with um, uh, <laughs> open arms in the minor leagues. So we, we kind of mixed the idea, and um, it, it never came to fruition. But um, I, I thought it could be done. By, by the right player, I guess he wasn't the right player, and Otani is. Uh, now, we see a lot of uh, MPB players transitioning to the major leagues, and I'm sure you've heard about Loki Sasaki, and he ostensibly is going to make that jump. How much have you heard about Sasaki, and you know how big of a name is he growing over there just by throwing a perfect game for your former team? Well, he there's a lot of intrigue, but everyone's putting it on the back shelf because he's so young, figuring it'll take quite a while for him to um, get his tenure in there before he becomes a free agent. Um, but he's he's been talked about, and he's exceptional from everything I've seen on, on video and everything I've heard and read uh, about him. Hopefully, um, he'll stay healthy. Hopefully, his... Uh, his preparation and his bullpen work as well as his game work will be monitored so that he builds um, the strength that he needs to to maintain uh, the high level of pitching that he's uh, exhibited so far. Yeah, I think uh, you said all, all, everyone uh, is holding back on it, but I, I don't think that's the case. Some people are saying, you know, he's going to be here next year. I've heard uh, a lot of chatter about him making a quick jump and I don't think people understand the entire process and free agency and posting and all those things I think they just want to see him and they've heard the name and they've seen the the information about the perfect games almost two in a row and they're just really excited I don't know what have you heard anybody in particular uh, talking about that no, um, I know our organization, you know, obviously is uh, dialed in because we have uh, so many Japanese reporters with us every day mm. uh, following uh, the progress of, of uh, Shohei. Um, but, you know, it, it's unless there's some kind of announcement that uh, – you know, Lote is going to allow him to leave early. I, I don't think it's going to happen. And by the way, why did he come out of that uh, second perfect game with 102 pitches? Uh, I think uh, you remember Tadahito Iguchi. I think they have a plan yes. and they have a pitching, a very tight pitching plan. And uh, I was as surprised as anybody, but I just saw the kid sit down after the eighth inning on the bench and um, he was pretty calm about it. And he's only 20, and he's his manager is a former major league star. Of course, yeah. What's, so when you the, say strict, I mean, are, is he strict with all of his pitchers? Are they all on pitch counts? You know, I think they are, but there aren't any obviously as talented as Sasaki, as talented as Sasaki, and he's so young, and he had some arm trouble in high school. So I think the kid gloves are definitely on. 
but I think that's all part of there's a, there's a plan in in place there. And um, Yoshi, who used to pitch with the Mets, he, he's the pitching coach. And yeah, uh, is my my good friend, and I love him, so I knew that he was watching over him. And so I I just I trust that those guys know what they're doing, Great. and, and I, I I didn't I, I was ambivalent about the whole thing. I, I wanted to see. You know, we've always heard about John Johnny Vandermeer and the back-to-back no-hitters. This would have been back-to-back perfect games. But I also think that it's I would like if I were a Lotte fan, I would rather see Sasaki pitching in the Japan series at the end of the season than not pitching at all because he's hurt. Oh, I agree totally. Uh, so, error on the side of caution. Yes. Exactly. So there was one thing that happened in that 2005 championship run when you were here with the Marines. And I remember the press was, you know, hot and heavy every day thinking, okay, well, this is a great start. Uh, Lotte is obviously going to win the Japan series. They had already put you in and you were always, not always, but you were often calming down the reporters with your replies to their excited questions. And then one day you told me or you told them about how you, like to assess a team and you like to take your time and give it a couple months before you do that. And it sounded very credible and very logical. Your explanation did. So I'm, I'm wondering how did you end up uh, adopting that kind of method for evaluating your teams or self scouting your own teams? Well, I think you have to see how players and the team uh, react when they're going good and see how they react when they're going bad when you see them going good, you have to try to analyze whether or not um, they can ma- maintain the level of uh, excellence uh, by playing uh, good baseball. And then when they're going bad, you got to accept, uh, assess why uh, they're going bad. And if that's either uh, a, a little, a, a little, um, Lip on the radar, if that's a bump in the road that uh, is not uh, indicative of what the team is, or if that is really what the team is. I think the Angels right now are facing a, a, a evaluation situation. They played very good baseball where they got up into first place, and now they lost six in a row, and uh, uh, they're kind of treading for for water in, in the water and uh, they're wondering who they are and so you have to figure out they're not going to lose every game that's for sure and they're not going to win every game but are they going to be more like the losing team or more like the winning team and that's the that's how you have to try to evaluate um, your team and then by the time you get to about now you've seen some of the other competition and mm-hmm. so you get to figure out whether or not you're as good as the good competition or if you're going to um, just be one of the other teams that uh, make up a major league season. Is that how you arrived at the, the two-month kind of scenario? Yeah, well, you know, then, you know, in Japan for sure and in the major leagues, after two months you will have seen – will have seen uh, all of the teams that you're going to be competing against. Uh, That isn't the case uh, in this major league schedule right now, but at least you've seen everyone in your division. 
and not uh, we're just seeing the Yankees for the first time. And, um, you know, you, you get to evaluate uh, the good teams and the bad teams as well as yours. Well, I, I always wanted to thank you for that because it made me uh, I kind of adopted that kind of style of, of just looking at the team sitting back, not making uh, assumptions about a team because it, it got out to a really strong start. So I wish we could wait two months and then make our pr- predictions about the season. <laughs> so, yeah. So what were your predictions before the season? That I, I said the Lotte Marines were going to win the Pacific League and they're uh, struggling. And I said the Hanshin Tigers were going to win the Central League and they're in the dumps <laughs> struggling. Uh, Hanshin and Lotte, that, uh, that's cool. A repeat of 2005. Five, Five. yeah. Yeah. Well, no, you remember now that there's actually a playoff uh, scenario in the Central League as well. So they don't jump directly to the right. here. They got to, they've got to work their way there, but still. <laughs> so yeah, but yeah, I wish I could have had that assessment. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be picking Hanshin to win now. <laughs> so far out of it. It's funny. All right. A couple more things. Um, uh, rundown plays. MPB prides itself on defense so much, but I have noticed a fatal flaw in my time in Japan. So covering Japan, Japanese baseball since 1995, that they're really bad fundamentally at rundown plays. It's comical. What what did you assess, or what did you see when you when you were here? Well, you know, there's a um, cautiousness on defense. Um, that shows up in a rundown play uh, in Japan. Uh, and, and I think that you need to have an aggressive uh, approach to getting that out. So, um, you know, I just think it's in the DNA that, um, yeah, the, the fielder who's on the receiving end of a throw catches the ball and then starts to run at the runner who's uh, caught in this pickle. And uh, to make the play effectively, uh, you have to be on the move uh, as at the receiving end in order to uh, stop that play uh, as quickly as possible. I hope you understand what I'm saying. I, I do. I just When you say aggressive, uh, I, I want to, I'd like you to be a little bit more clear. What do you mean by being aggressive? You have to be moving in the direction of the runner and the teammate that's throwing the ball to you. You have to be moving before he throws it. And, you know, that's that's how you catch the runner uh, who's in the rundown. If you wait until you catch the ball before you initiate your, your movement toward the runner – then the runner has an equal time to uh, run away from you, and he's not near you, so uh, it it becomes pretty easy if you know to get away. If you know what I mean, You're, he's running uh, away from you, and he has distance between you and the ball. So what you need to do is you need to get a running start as you catch the ball that's being thrown to you by your teammate Mm -hmm. so that the runner who is stopping and going in the opposite direction um, is tagged out immediately. Right. And the only time I ever got, you know, close to a baseball coaching situation was at a clinic 
back in the 19, we won't mention when it was, but I, the coach said, hey, look, I don't want you guys throwing the ball around. The, the In a pickle situation, um, there should be one throw or no throws at all. And whoever has the ball first, just run the runner, make that person, make that runner go back to the base as hard as they can. And either they'll stop and you can tag them or you throw the ball in, in a situation with the timing where they have no recourse but to go to the base and you make sure you get the ball in a good location and get, let's get the out. Don't be throwing it back and forth. And, I, and I've seen guys in Japan, they'll make three or four throws and I'm like, stop throwing the ball around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did, did you actually work on those at camp? Yeah, that's uh, something we, we always worked on. That's a, uh, um, you know, one of the fundamentals that uh, you check off in spring training. Okay. All right. And before we let you go, I know uh, I was I was personally upset about how your tenure ended here in Chiba in Japan. But uh, how did you feel about the way you finished up your career in Japan? Well, I wish it was a we, we got to the same page a little more. I thought that there was a lot of um, uh, in in-house uh bickering and and uh, disunity um and uh I, w- I wish i was still there you know i i enjoyed every minute i gave uh a thousand percent uh every day that i was there and i just i think that our success and the way the team changed over the years that i was there and the perception of the team uh gave a lot of people um made a lot of people kind of jealous that they everyone wanted to be the the head person instead of being just one of one of the group and um, uh, you know it, it was too bad it was a good we had a really good thing going and um, uh, it, it didn't end up uh, perfectly but I still have great memories of of the great fans and and uh, my time while I was there it was it was the most fun time of my life. Well, we certainly do miss you. And like I said, we miss all the guys. And hopefully you can uh, come back and visit and we'll have you on again at that time. But, you know, we, I'm going to chase you down as much as, as long as far as you go. I'm going to chase you down and try to get you on every once in a while, if that's all right. I'm around. Thank you very much. Let me know. All right. All right. So how good was it just to hear Bobby's voice again, Jim? It was good. You know, um I I probably I haven't been as surprised to hear from Bobby as uh, this surprised to hear from Bobby since I was the day he you know he flew he flew to Japan to attend Wayne Grassick's uh, memorial service mm. and I thought wow so you know Bobby is a very I don't know if, I don't know if he, um, well, some people will say he's divisive, but there's certainly a lot of divisive opinions. You know, he's he's one of those guys where there's like, you know, there's only a fence <laughs> either one way or the other. I mean, although it shifts, it shifts from day to day, and uh, he's not he's not always com- a comfortable person to be around. But I. I you know, I, I've I've seen the, the the easy side and the easygoing side and the popular side and and the fun side and the bitter side, and all in all, um, I'm really thankful for the time uh, that he shared with me over the over the years. 
Yep. Starting yep. starting with his last game in 1995, when he he said he took me aside and said, first time I met him, and he said, uh, "I'm going to get fired, Jim." <laughs> <laughs> I just and he and the Marines didn't tell him that. He had to be uh, told by somebody in the Dodgers organization that he was going to get fired. <laughs> Call, called him in the morning of his last game and said, uh, and, and here's the thing, he had been offered, the, he told me, I was offered the New York Mets job. This is in, this is in uh, maybe September 30th, 1995, and we were at Cebu Stadium. And it was not the yet first, Cebu Dome, right? Yeah. Not yet Cebu Dome. And he said, just, I, I split out of there just before the start of the game. And he said, um, I got a job offer to manage the New York Mets. But yesterday I had to give him my answer and I turned him down because I thought I've still got another year on my contract. And then this <clears throat> morning I got a call from Aiki Kuhara, the longtime uh, assistant to Peter O'Malley with the Los Angeles Dodgers. And he said, no, you don't. Wow. wow. So he got fired. So we, we, you know, we, he went through that ringer twice and 2009 was really like a, it was like a Tom Hanks movie. Yeah. In fact, I've often thought of this should be a movie starring Tom Hanks. (laughs) Um, Except with a different ending, because I'll tell you all summer long, it was like it was exactly like being in a movie. You know, you'd go talk to Bobby and what's up, and he's let me tell you, these are these things going on, and there's an investigation going on. And he, one day he said, "I don't want to. I don't want to spill all my Bobby Valentine stories, or else we'd have a sixty-five-hour yeah. podcast." <laughs> no, we'd have a couple of dead guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what? <laughs> yeah, foul place. <laughs> bodies found around the microphones right so um but yeah it was it was there was there was intrigue and there were all were all these things and he was holding out hope until pretty much the very end that he was going to stick he was going to outlast his his persecutors within the marines but that didn't happen so it didn't happen in 2004 in 1995 and it didn't happen again in 19 in 2009 yeah. So so uh, so besides uh, Bobby's computer chiming out a couple of times and him firing questions back at me, what what planted a flag in the Allen brain after you heard this one? Um, well, you're thank you for saying I have a brain because sometimes I doubt it. Oh, I love the stuff a about rundowns. Yeah. Well, yeah, it might be an IC chip, I suppose. I see, and. <laughs> It would, I I guess, asking about the rundowns, I thought, what a wonderful explanation. See, this is the thing Bobby does so well, is explain stuff. You know, he he doesn't always absolutely know everything with complete certainty, but he's so full of confidence, and he does know a lot. And and what what he excels at is explaining that thing the way he sees it. Or mm-hmm. in a way, uh, I assume that's how he sees it. I don't have it that much insight into his brain, but he explains things. <laughs> I, he explains things in a way that you can see it, right? And I, I've always enjoyed that part. And I thought the the two things about the rundown, um, explaining how it 
it should work ideally. And the hesitancy that he witnessed in uh, the fielders not wanting to make a mistake. Mm. And so uh, the way he explained it made me think of a number, a number of other things in Japan, but, but yeah. And so often, but then of course what happens is the guys freak out and they do make mistakes you know, they well, throw yeah, the ball. You the generally ball they, too many times. Yeah, exactly. Usually, it's it's almost like the the team that has the ball is it's like it's more like it's less like a pickle and more like a hot potato. Yeah, yeah, they're playing hot potato. It's like they're the ones who have the pressure on them because they they made the mistake. Right, they haven't made and, a mistake yet. <laughs> right, because they're the ones who are trying to avoid making a mistake. The other guys already made a mistake. And now we don't want to equal it. So we're going to be extra careful yeah. because, um, you know, I've written everywhere. Jap- Jap- Japanese society is so much about not doing it right, but not being flagged for doing it wrong. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So those were the, those are the things I would take away. Okay. Yeah, I'm glad Bobby explained on air how he assesses his team's and I think now newer mm. listeners might know why I don't worry about the standings early on. And I would add the fact that sometimes, I guess, teams are just not complete at the beginning of the season for some reason. Sometimes we have foreigners who haven't been able to get their visas or they came over and incurred an injury in spring training because it's so long and they're not ready for the beginning of the season. I think in the Central League, we we have the Central League wins leader, or he shares the lead, the lead in wins, Koyo Aoyagi, who's, since he came back, he has won a bunch of games and, what, what about a third of the games for the Tigers mm-hmm. uh, after a slow start to the season because he wasn't around because of an, he was getting over uh, an injury, I believe. And so you've got all kinds of things that you don't know about the team, plus you don't know if the rookies can play every day or the young guys, you don't know about some of the old guys. you got slow starters. you got fast starters. I just think there's so much going on at the beginning of the season, but I was so glad that Bobby was able to talk about how he mm. sees it. And I loved him saying, look, you got to see these guys in good times and bad. And I think mm-hmm. that goes for all the teams. You see, you catch a good a team when they're on a good groove, and then hopefully you catch them when they're in a bad groove too, and you see where you can – maybe make some inroads in the in the future because you match up so many times with uh, teams in the same league. So you get a good look at the, the competition too. It's not all about your team. And so I was just glad he was able to explain that. So I hope people understand why I don't pay all that much attention to the standings. But I do look at the win-loss records. And in fact, I was looking at them tonight and noticing that the Hanshin Tigers are pretty much right there with uh, all those teams that are maybe, let's say, vying for a playoff spot. Um, mm-hmm. So it's not, you know, that that awful start for the Tigers is not as bad as it uh, could have been if they continued to lose at that pace, which nobody could do if they were trying. But anyway, <laughs> I well, also you know, loved Oh, I, w- I want to say, you know, when, when you said that about the, but I do look at the wins and loss records, and it was interesting um, – because I, as soon as I, when I hear this talk about watch the teams play, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much a numbers geek, but I do remember, uh, I remember 
concretely 2006 watching the watching a three game series back in the day when we used to go to three game series oh gosh (laughs) (laughs) it happened for a couple of years we'd go for two or three games of a series and then john would go for two or three games of a series and and the fighters were playing in chiba and the fighters had a lousy record but I was struck by how well they played. They didn't, I think they lost all three of the games, but I was struck by how well they were playing. Right. I mean, they were gritty and grinding and, you know, oh, they're losing, you know, oh, they lost this game because that, that ball was foul and not fair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, oh, and, and this guy, you know, they, they had all, they created chances. They played good defense. They were, they were playing smart baseball, but the things things weren't bouncing their way, and I was really impressed with that. And what was in, uh, ironic about that was that was the the spring when the fighters decided they were going to fire Trey Hillman in two thousand six, because in May they uh, this actually relates to Bobby Valentine, the last story. So in in May. Trey went to Bobby and said, I don't know what's going on around here. The fighters may have been in last place, but they were, they were struggling. And he said to, he told Bobby, they've both told me this story. Uh, um, I think they're going to fire me because normally we have a contract extension talks at the beginning of June. I think it was, and I haven't heard from them. So what do you think that means? Well, anyway, (laughs) now what Bobby thought that means was you're going to get fired yes see you punk yeah (laughs) so bobby planted a story with uh, john Heyman of sports illustrated saying that trey was being considered for a manager's job in the major leagues I think I remember you talking about this before. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, so what happened was, yeah, John Heyman put that little note in his, in his column. And then all of a sudden Trey, well, really what happened, it wasn't the fact that Trey, you know, that was part of the deal. I think Bobby was, was trying to stir up interest for Trey after he got fired. But what happened was the fighters started winning and then they won interleague and then they they won in their league, and then they won the pennant. And the fighters said, "Oh yeah, we we want you back in 2007." Come but on down. <laughs> yeah, but we still have to fire a foreigner. So pitching co- coach Mike Brown, get pack your bags and leave. And <laughs> wow, Trey said, wow. "Yeah, basically the fighters. Apparently the front office had decided that some um, Im- imported coach had to go, and so it was Mike Brown." Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Uh, get back to the interview here. Back to I, the interview. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Right. Digression time over. All right. So um, I love Bobby talking about this guy, uh, Masatoshi Yanagida, the player mm-hmm. of whom he spoke. I'd looked him up. Uh, I, I asked you about him, but of course I had looked him up already. I didn't remember, I hadn't, I didn't remember I, him at all. I didn't remember him either. And this was my first year at this job. But anyway, I, I did look him up and I saw uh, immediately on the, the Wikipedia, this pudgy looking slugger type guy. Uh, and they took him with the first pick in 2005. And he just was never able to put up, put up results according to Wikipedia. But just imagine a person with the brand power of Bobby Valentine and all his pull and seemingly, you know, he had to stand on the table and beat on the table 
for a guy, a two-way player to get an opportunity, you know, that just tells you a lot about what Shohei Otani has done mm-hmm. and and the power he wielded, uh, being able to, to, to play so well. And then the same thing, he's he has gone over and done what he did to Japan. He, he said, just give me a shot. And uh, now the United States is taking a different view of it. And I, I apologize, listeners. I did butcher that first question I asked Bobby. I, I had it in my mind, but it didn't come out the right way. But he gave a pretty good answer anyway. I'm not, I'm not sure he understood it. But essentially, Otani has had this huge p- impact uh, on Japanese baseball. And now he's having another hu- huge impact in the major leagues just by changing people's thought processes. And so that's what I really liked. And, and fun, fun chat and, and fun time looking up this guy. And it's too bad he didn't, you know, he didn't stick around or wasn't successful. But not all draft picks are successful. It doesn't matter, like I said a long time ago, where you get picked. You have to be able to play. And uh, Right. Well, I mean, yeah, well, the, you know, the thing was essentially, you know, his arm – he had, I think, three elbow surgeries, and that kind of ruined him as a pitcher. So. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, like I said, just wasn't able to put up the numbers as a hitter either. So, yeah. All right, well, Bobby, uh, we will have you on again. Uh, keep Stay by the phone. And he said he'd be around, so that's good. And I see him, you know, I watched on the player, watched some of the Angels games. So uh, still not a big Angel fan. They are admired in a, in a double-digit skid here, but hopefully they can get out of that and Bring some smiles back to Otani's face. Uh, let's move along. Let's make a four-seam transition and talk about interleague play. So, you know, I was going into this weekend with the SoftBank Hawks playing at the the Chinichi Dragons, and I was thinking, oh, I remember the, what was it, the 2013 Japan Series, was it? The Hawks and the Dragons? 2011. 2011. 2011 Japan Series then. 2011? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. Because 2010 was the Marines, Marines and the Dragons and the Dragons, and that was the series where nobody could win at home <laughs> over the first three games, right? And then uh, I, I thought that Hawks are going to come in and they're just going to beat the daylights out of the Dragons. They're in first place in the Pacific League. The Dragons are, you know, sloshing between fourth and fifth place in the Central League, but really kind of waiting to waiting for the Tigers to catch fire so they can go down and take take their rightful place in last place, I suppose. I don't know. But anyway, the Dragons won two out of three in that series. So now we've got the situation. Uh, the Swallows basically uh, are heading the class here as we make the turn into the final week down the, down the final stretch of interleague play. And they're in first place. And this is going to be weird because um, – well, not weird. It's going to be exciting, I would imagine. I, I I know you get real excited about this as a Swallows fan, right, Jim? Yeah, I'm 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 jumping up and down on the inside. <laughs> I mean, I I am excited. I mean, I am excited. I just you know I've got other things to do, but yeah, I am. I'm I I'm pulling for the Swallows. I'm going like, yeah, PL teams win five games, but let the Swallows win. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well. Um, Again, I've just I've been enjoying all these series. They've just really mm. been compelling. I think they said the total on Saturday, uh, the the attendance for MPB was one uh, was one hundred and ninety thousand, almost close to one hundred ninety thousand across the six games. So lots of people have been going out to see the games. Now the Swallows are nine and three. Hanshin is behind them at eight and four, and then 
about three teams, uh, the Buffaloes, the Dragons, and the Hawks are at seven and five. I think the, the winner is going to come from that group. Yeah. And, the, you know, the Swallows are going to have to play the Hawks. So they're going up against each other uh, this week. And I think the Tigers are going to play the Buffaloes. And I think uh, the Swallows are going to play the Buffaloes as well. So Correct. it's going to be these teams going up against each other. The Dragons uh, with, have an opportunity here. because Exactly. This, because I mean, the... Because the buff- Buffaloes and Hawks are playing Swallows and Tigers. Right. So, yeah, the Dragons get the uh, Fighters and the Marines. So they do have an opportunity. They're running into teams that haven't been winning. Now, for whatever reason, and I, I really, you know, you just talked about it a second ago. I really think the Fighters are competing a lot better than they did early on in the season, even though their Correct. results are not uh, there in the win column, but they're looking better on the field. And... So this is going to be fun this this last week sure. when all these teams are playing each other. Um, you got two Central League teams basically kind of in the hunt with the the I'm sorry at the top with the Swallows and the Tigers, but you also have the Dragons in the hunt, and then you've got the Hawks who have just dominated this whole thing forever. But what's really perplexing to me is the Hiroshima Carp, and <laughs> you've seen new personnel, new managers new approaches, but the same kind of results in interleague play. They're three and nine, and they just don't even look good a lot of times. Yeah, they've been playing. You know, that's the thing is the Hawks and Swallows and Carp have been playing so true to their historic interleague form. Yeah, for no reason. That, I mean, we've got yeah. new guys here. Yeah, well, the, the Swallows, I I. Th- I I think the Swallows are the team that has the best. um, They have the best advantage playing against the other league. They're like the only Central League team that plays better against the PL. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) the SoftBank, as as I said, I think last time or the week before, you know, they also play quite a bit better. Most of the Pacific League teams play better against the CL. That's you know, that's to be (laughs) goes without saying. It does go without saying, right? But uh, the Hawks are one of those teams, and the Swallows are one of those teams that do better against the other league, and the Carp are one of those, the team that has historically done the absolute worst. You know, they, they get into the Central League, and they're going, okay, let's knock some heads off, and they get in the PL. And today the, uh, Carp, the Carp lost their 12th consecutive game to the Oryx Buffaloes. <laughs> How do you even do that? You can't even do that trying, I don't think. Well, they got swept in, you know, the Carp swept them in 2017, back when Brad Eldred. Oh, Big Bad Brad. Big When Brad Eldred was with the team and Brad Eldred hit, hit the, I think in the, the last game, the Carp beat the Oryx Buffaloes. Brad Eldred hit a first inning home run off of Brandon Dixon. Mm-hmm. So a little, a little way back stuff. Way, way back. <laughs> so far back, I don't remember. But yeah, yeah, that was that was actually the series. That was the series that when the second game of that series, Seiya Suzuki won the game with a twelfth inning home run, and that was the one when Koichi Ogata said he's godly. <laughs> As the former cart manager. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that was that's how far that goes back. Wow. 
Well, um, yeah, so Hanshin's going to first play the Hawks and then the Buffaloes, and then SoftBank's going to play the Tigers and then the Swallows. If those teams can go 500 both together and the Dragons can win, I don't know, four or five games this week, maybe the Dragons can make that comeback and win for the first time. But, yeah, I, I doubt it. I, I, I just was – I will just be rooting for a Central League team um, – and it would be nice if it is the Yakult Swallows as well, because they're the champions. You know, I like to see a, a champion have a good defense of the uh, uh, of all of the championship situations. So um, I'd, I'd be rooting for them. There you go. Maybe wow. harder than you will. <laughs> well, I do root in my heart. I don't, okay. I don't, and I, I do talk to the TV a little bit. So we've established you have a brain and a heart. Okay, you do not have know, to go and see the, big, the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> I was going to say. Okay, now if I can find that courage part. what? Don't push it, okay. <laughs> okay. Now, there were some fun games uh, this past week. I think Yasuhiro Ryan Ogawa, I think, throwing a one nothing, eight innings of a one one nothing game. He's the winning pitcher, but he also hit the home run. And so he was the first uh Pitcher in NPB since Tomohiro Kaneto in 1981 to win a game one nothing and hit a home run oh. uh, as the starting pitcher in that game. So yeah, that was fun. And I think we we've seen and we've talked about this with the Tsuyoshi Shinjo big boss of the fighters how he does unconventional things. And I think you and I either we I don't think we tweeted about it, so we must have been messaging about it when. Big Boss put on a, a squeeze in a kind of a weird count. And yep. then the other day, he had a 4 nothing lead. It was the third inning. The bases were loaded. And uh, they just put the they put the runners in motion. <laughs> now, I don't know if it was a run and hit or a hit and run, but it would have to be a hit and run because they put him in motion and the bases were loaded. So there's no place for anyone to go. <laughs> There was no turning back at that point. And at the plate, uh, he had Shingo Usami. But he had earlier, he had in the inning, he had squeezed home a run with uh, Daigo Kamikawabata, who's mm-hmm. hitting out of his mind at the moment. He was hitting like 420-something at the time that he had him squeeze home a run. And mm-hmm. then he, he meaning Big Boss, puts the, the hit and run on with the bases loaded, and he's got Shingo Usami up there, and he slaps a two-run single to the left. And I, just, I, I love this kind of stuff. I want to see him keeping opponents off balance, thinking we don't know what count he's going to do something crazy. Uh, we don't know what situation he's going to be. He's going to do something nutty. And it was it was actually really nice to see Shinjo. He started his career with the Hanshin Tigers. He went back to Koshien. He did his showmanship thing with the fans and was waving to them like he was a rock star. Uh, that stuff is fine, and he I think he delivered some presents before one game. And then I think today, it was either today's game or yesterday's, but he was out there with his phone, and uh, he exchanged lineup cards, and then he's snapping pictures with uh, some of his players and of the umpires. I mean, he's got the showmanship part down, and, and I don't even mind that kind of stuff. Uh, but I love when he keeps the opponents off balance. How do you how do you see those kinds of things? Well, I think I think in general it's a good idea. You know, I like doing stuff that is unexpected is necessary because it opens doors and makes people think, you know, it's like if you're going to, you know, if if the guy, if the third baseman's got the ball 
and there's a runner on third base and he's far enough away from you that he can't you he can't tag you then move off of third base you know <laughs> make him make him look at you distract mm-hmm. you know do things um cause openings because you never know uh, the whole the the name of the game is is not only hitting the ball and, and catching the ball, but it's uh, getting your opponent to do things that they wish they didn't have to, or mm-hmm. they didn't feel pressured into doing. I mean, this is a part of you know every sport, every game, every war. Um, so doing things that are un- unexpected is okay. My my gripe generally is that. The timing, um, Shinjo's timing on when he does these unexpected things is not very, is, is pretty bad. He seems to sort of, say, wait, wait, wait. Well, well okay, hold on. Well, what I'm part. saying is, what I'm saying is he chooses, I think what happens is he says, oh, I'm going to do this now, as opposed to this is something I want to do and let's do it in such and such a situation. I think he just decides I'm going to do it now, but without you know, when there could be better situations to do it, take more but advantage does, of the situation. Okay, well, does, does better mean more conventional? Or no, does no, no, better, better mean... means bigger payoff. Well, what could be better than a hit and run with a, with the bases loaded? But what, yeah, but what I'm saying is uh, the things I've seen him done is things that are really low percentage stuff, but if the, the count was better, it's a better percentage, or if there's a, the runners are indifferent, you can do this stuff. And, and you do it, you do things that are not good percentage plays, but you do them, you do them once to make people think you might do them more often or, you know, but as, as far, I'm just saying that what I get the impression is some of the things he does are less, part of a plan i mean you do that as part of a plan to throw people off balance but i get the feeling with shinjo is generally it's not part of a plan at all it's just random and therefore but isn't that the beauty no, of it no that's not the idea of it the idea no, of no, it that's not no, the conventional no. idea of it but no, I, i'm the, not saying i'm not defending I'm, him in, in that no but what i'm saying say. is he could choose better moments to be surprising but, but he just no, gets, the, but that 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 is the point, though. Is aren't those better moments when it might be expected? Not necessarily, but possibly. But when possibly, when possibly, it, when he's doing it, it's it's not really expected at all because it's not the it's not the optimum moment. Yeah, well, it's not even it's not even close to the optimal moment. It's well, almost then you like have the element of surprise. I, I'm not the, saying it's the best thing to do. Yeah, that's like I, I probably wouldn't you know, that, do it either. <laughs> that's like telling your batters we're not going to swing it. We're not going to swing with two strikes because nobody's going to see it coming. Well, no, I don't. I don't yes. think that. No, I think it, well, what you're saying is don't don't swing at strikes with two strikes because <laughs> they're not going to throw one. You don't think they're going to throw one? But yeah, what yeah. I'm saying that's yeah. I mean, I'm saying that in general. Surprises are good, but think about them first. And Shinjo, I guess the advantage of Shinjo is there isn't really, it doesn't appear to be much of a thought process. It's just I, sort I of hear like, you. I, I yeah. hear you. And I, I think he could. I think he could choose better times. Okay, let's put it this way: one could choose better times to appear random, whereas he is just random. <laughs> That's what All I'm right. saying. That's what All I'm trying right, to well, say. But it's not bad that, no, I mean, it's not bad that he does things unconventional. I like that. Um, and I love many things about Shinjo. 
Um, but I do get the feeling that it's some, you know, it's like the decision that I still think I, I know it's, um, Naoki Miyanishi does this anyway, but the, that eye roll when he decided I'm going to face Masataka Yoshida instead of Yuma Mune, mm-hmm. that's sort of like, you, you, you didn't mean just what you did, right? That was a mistake. <laughs> kind of a, kind <laughs> of a thing. No, it's just Shinjo being Shinjo. I'm going to do this. And so that's, that's the thing. So, uh, I th- I would like to see it. I love to see this stuff planned out. And that's one of the reasons I love Joe Madden because he likes this stuff. Uh, the, ma- the Angels manager, he likes to do crazy off-the-wall stuff too. But for him, it's always part of... Uh, I, think, I, I think it's generally planned out <laughs> with Shincho. I think it's more like, hey, I got an idea, gang. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you, you, you made that clear. I, I've okay. got that. Okay, and, I'm and, done. And I'm fine with all the, the nutty stuff when it comes to baseball because okay. I I think catching people off balance is, is a good idea. It's a good plan. Mm. And I understand you say it's not a plan and that he's just doing things on a whim, but that, that too is a plan, I think, of his. And uh, it might be because he has all these young players that they probably figure they're not going to win anyway this year. So... Uh, let's let's do lots of weird stuff, and and he's learning as well. I think he's learning uh, a lot about be, being a manager. But he has stuck to a lot of the things that he said, including giving a lot of players in the organization an opportunity at the top level. But let's move along. Let's move along. Let's make a two seam transition and talk about the All Star voting. So we had the first round of fan voting, and some of the numbers came in. Now, I saw numbers that came out on Wednesday. And we don't usually talk about the All-Star game because, but frankly, Jim and I are not ever really impressed with the All-Star games here. They play two. Sometimes they've had three in the past. Well, they don't they play three, three anymore, thank goodness. Yeah, they, but... they, no, they don't. They've never had more than three, though, right? No. So it's not the novelty when you have more than one game each. It's not that Midsummer Classic that we're talking about. It's Midsummer you know, classics, but it's it's more of a headache. But uh, I did see some of the selections that the fans had, or I'm sorry, some of the leaders in the voting that the fans had selected so far. And I wanted to say that they had been doing a good job. Um, they did have Hotaka Yamakawa of Cebu leading all the candidates. And I saw numbers on Wednesday. Jim said he has been checking uh, daily. Um, but in my world, I think Loki Sasaki would be leading in, in votes and he's not. He's not even second. Um, he's behind Munetaka Murakami of the Swallows, and that's okay. He's behind Teruaki, or at least he was on Wednesday, behind Teruaki Sato of Hanshin, and that's not okay with me. And then he's even behind his own catcher, Ko Matsukawa, and I'm not fine with that. Yuki Yanagita, Masataka Yoshida, okay. I mean, those guys, they're, they're big names, but uh, what did you see in the voting that you liked and didn't like? No, I, nothing I didn't like about it. It was... Right now, is for, through Sunday, Hotaka Yamakawa is leading all the voters, the the the, the candidates with sixty nine thousand two seventy three. Yuki Nagita is second. Teruaki Sato, Munetaka Murakami. Yeah, no problem. Komatsukawa. Yeah, Nagita hasn't really been good, and he's he's going through a tough time, particularly right now. So I I don't think he should be in front of. Yeah, but Sasaki, yeah. but again, it's an all star thing, and. Well, the thing about the all-star game is it's A, it's the fans voting, and B, it's the first half. 
And sometimes the name is bigger than the results and people still want to see that guy. And I, I, I get, get it. That. I get I it get too. It. I mean, that's but, why one of my, one of my favorite things was that Takumi Kuriyama, I think was a, didn't become an all-star until he'd already won like five best nine awards. <laughs> <laughs> because in the end result, you always looked at his season and say, wow, he's really good. Right. But he just, he never, he was one of those guys who was, kind of good at everything but not really great at anything mm, yeah yeah so know those guys. you know you just looked at wow the whole the whole package is quite good but um so anyway yeah so that that was that i guess the thing that interested me most mm. uh was kenta imamiya uh he was he came came in right after the hawk shortstop kenta imamiya comes in right after sasaki Taisei Ota comes after him. The Giants and closer, then, yeah. Yeah, and then third base in the Pacific League, Yuki James Nomura, 43,151. Right, yes. So that 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 I was that I was a little surprised by that. He's not a big name. He's a good player. Uh, he's a good player this year. I mean, he he looked like he had a little bit he had a little bit going for him. So that was interesting to me. And the other one is first base in the Central League. Where we've got Ryan McBroom, who probably should be leading by a wide margin, is leading right. by a very narrow margin over Shonakata. Yeah. That's yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was that's why I mentioned it, because I'm thinking, well, why can't they put white out on the ballots? Hashtag high <laughs> heat. <laughs> And the answer is not because it, it'll get you disqualified from your golf tournament. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. No. It, it, it's weird. So, yeah. I would hey, like he's got to a sacrifice see... bump this year, so that's to his credit. That's right. I, I would like to see Go Matsumoto, the, the batting leader in the PL. I'd I like to see him higher. I, I don't even, I, I didn't even find where he was. Oh, here he is. Yeah, he was in third place as of Wednesday in among outfielders, but he should be the, the top one. This guy's hitting close to 400, and I we were going to talk about him on the show last week. We just never got around to it and had time, but he certainly is making a push for 400 for half of a season. And I'll tell you what I noticed from a distance. He's He's first of all swinging at pitches in the zone, first mm-hmm. and foremost, uh, and then he just seems to have found um, the secret to contact. You know, in, in his swing, everything's real short. Um, he's not trying to power the ball, and I think when he came up and I saw him before, he was somewhere in between a power hitter and a, and a let's say an average hitter, or I would not call him a slap hitter, but just a, an average hitter. Um, the guy was going to hit for a high average. And now it looks like he is just, he's not trying to drive the ball out of the park. He's trying to find gaps. He's trying to hit line drives, but he's definitely not swinging for home runs like he had been at times in the past. Hmm. So uh, I really like what I've seen from him. I'd like to see him higher on that list. And I hope he goes up uh, among the fan voting, especially because he's a fighters player. So <laughs> you would think, you know, if, if Nomura could be up that high, that uh, Matsumoto could be up even higher. As well as Chusei Manami, my guy, the guy I've been mm. raving about all season. I don't think he, you know, he's not. Um, he's not on the top 10. Well, he's not hitting very high average wise. No, but he's, but, certainly but he's an impact power. player, though. Oh, man, man, oh, man. 
Yeah. And fun, just a fun player to watch. He's he's my outfield version, a different kind of player, but different kind of hitter, but my outfield uh, maybe I shouldn't even say that, but there's one of those guys who are just fun to watch play. Yes. Yeah, and he's one of them. Yep. Yep. All right, uh making a one seam transition, uh that famous Tomoyuki Sugano one seamer. Uh we're going to talk <laughs> about the players, the top players of May. And uh, where do you want to start in the Central League or the Pacific? Wherever you want to start, my friend. Let's start in the Central League. I looked at the numbers and then I tweeted out something last night. uh, And at the time, I noticed that uh, Shugo Maki of the DNA Bay Stars was pretty much uh, in the running for a triple crown. And in May, he hit 329 with 25 RBIs. His OPS was 1,100. He had eight homers, eight doubles. 14 runs scored. He hit 10 for 25 with runners in scoring position. It makes me think that he's playing like somebody stole his rookie of the year award last year and he's looking to like win the. Oh, look at me. I voted for him. <laughs> <laughs> well, somebody stole it. Okay. He didn't get it. And uh, he's looking to win a triple crown and rub it in that guy's face. <laughs> so well, I got him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, he was certainly he was certainly deserving of the he was also deserving of the March and April award, but I mean, he's been leading in OPS since the start of the season. Mm. And but this time he has the runs and RBIs to go with it. He's second yeah. in average. He's first in RBIs, third in runs, second in home runs. Just a, just really the and of course with him and in Keita Sano who's done well in the all-star voting as well. I think he's second in the CL all-star voting. Those two guys are just a tremendous one, two punch at the, well, one and three punch, one and four punch in the uh, base stars lineup, <laughs> yeah. wherever it is they are, but they're, they're just two tremendous players. Yeah. The, the base stars need some pitching and the dragons need some offense. So I think those teams should get together and figure out the optimal trade and, uh, and the dragon need to get mucky. <laughs> Well, that would solve the second base issues. I, I'm sure. <laughs> Sorry, Michael Wesby. <laughs> I'm sure we're going to hear from him after that comment. Uh, yeah, those two mention. teams together could put together quite a team. I think so. Uh, honorable mention, though, goes to Kaito Kozono of Hiroshima. He hit 360. He has 12 RBIs or had 12 RBIs in May. Just two home runs, but he had four other extra base hits and eight. 88 OPS and a couple of other good numbers, but it's just not enough. I just, and Gregory Polanco did some honorable mention worthy things, but yeah, I think it's Maki all the way, right? Yep. On the mound, who do you have? I've got two, two picks. One is the conventional pick, who's Aaron Wilkerson, right. three and one, 104 ERA, and the unconventional pick, the guy who's going to win. Uh, no, 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 no. The guy is probably who won't win. I, I think Wilkerson's going to win it. No. Nope. Uh, oh, you don't think so? Interesting. I don't okay, think so. my other guy is a Ryuta Kono of the Yakult Swallows, who was who had the prerequisite ERA for a reliever to win the award, which is zero point zero zero. Okay. With ten holds, so ten I think holds, he, yeah. I think he. Uh, so who's your guy? Uh, DNA's Shinichi Oniki. Whose ERA okay. was virtually the same as Wilkerson's. He his was a one point oh seven. Wilkerson was one point oh four. But he's he, I think he had more innings, a few more innings, 
Um, Oniki's whip was better, just slightly. And he fanned more guys. He had 26 strikeouts. Wilkerson had 18. Everybody so, strikes out more than Aaron Wilkerson. What's that? I said everybody strikes out more guys than he does. Well, I'm just saying what he did in this particular month. So I, I, I think he's going to get it. Um, Ryan Ogawa pitched really, you know, really well, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, in this yeah. month, he had he had more innings pitched for sure. He had a 0.88 ERA, a lower whip. But Onuki was like his whip was 0.79. So um, I think he's the man here. I I, I really think he's going to get it. Uh, their number, their records were the same as I as I recall. I think they were both three and one. Onuki was also here? three and one. Yeah, he was three and one. So I think he's going to get it. Oh yeah, that's that's a good one. I I didn't notice. I didn't for some reason I did not notice him. But yeah. Um, yeah, I'm 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 with you there. I think I would pick I would pick uh, Onuki instead. And he snuck up on us because he was so quiet. He's not you know, he's not out there at the end of games at all. He isn't throwing shutouts all the time. He isn't fanning a lot of player a lot of batters in one particular game. He just keeps you in the game and he's steady and he doesn't give up a lot of runs. Um, so yeah, yeah, I think he's the man. What about the Pacific League? Uh, who do you have as the hitter? Okay, my hitter of the month in the Pacific League is Hotaka Yamakawa. Oh, okay. Yeah. First in OPS, fourth in runs, second in RBIs, third in walks, fourth in average. My MVP, note that there is no MVP, there is no most valuable player award, would be Kenta Imamiya. I thought he was the best player of May, but because they don't count the fact that one guy's a really good shortstop and the other guy's a kind of ordinary first baseman doesn't count and the award is actually called hitter of the month then sorry kenta you play too much defense stop it. yeah <laughs> you go over there with your glove and then <laughs> yeah go balls. sit the, yeah that's right go sit with the fielder's table we're good this is the award winner's table over here it is not sexy you just go over there with your little glove and collect your balls and you know put them in a jar or something so at the back that you're probably the second best hitter in the league okay tough Tough, tough. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I do like how uh, Yamakawa, but I, I, I think, I think Matsumoto. We talked him up here a little bit, but I think he's going to get some, uh, some play. You know, with the big the three fifty nine, he hit. He had nine RBIs, thirty three hits. His OPS is eight seventy one. So, like I said, he's not hitting for a lot of power. Just two home runs and six doubles. But I, I think he's going to get rewarded because. Um, the, all the hits. I, I think they're going to look at the number of hits and they're going to say, "Wait, we just cannot ignore that." And this guy's hitting close to four hundred. So I don't we'll know because because yeah, if you're going to sexy numbers, yeah, <laughs> for and, sure. Well, even then, I mean, even if that's your thing, you're going to give a guy <laughs> hits. If that's your thing, you're going to give a guy who has a three fifty nine average with with a three seventy one on base percentage uh, an advantage over a guy who hit four nineteen with a close to five hundred on base percentage. Close to five. I, I mean, it was. I mean, I, those two. Those two. Yeah. I think Ima Mia is clearly the better of the two. So I mean, that's. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I'm going to give it to the guy who's done. Who it had better. the most hits? Okay. Now you're really. No, you're, no because you're, because because Ima because Mia was, hasn't been playing every day. He's been mostly that's true. A, 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 a platoon situation, and and Matsumoto has been playing every day. That's why. Okay, that's that's a that's a good argument. I, I'll, but, but if I you wanted to, well, I mean, yeah, you wanted to point to the hits. You didn't. You didn't ask me. You just assumed 
ask. No. <laughs> okay, like but uh, that's that's a that's a reasonable argument. But okay, uh, what okay. about pitcher? Who do you got there? Who do I have? I think I only have one person, and uh, now Yuki Uesawa, four and zero, point five ERA, five eighty ERA. Yeah, and I think you're right. I, I you know, SoftBank's uh, now Higashihama was really good. He had the no hitter, and his ERA was zero point six nine. But he didn't. He did. He wasn't as consistent and consistently good as Uesawa. And geez, his ERA is zero point five eight, and wow, he WHIP of zero point six eight. I mean, all the numbers are incredible for a team that's not winning. So uh, he has found. Well, I don't think he win. won a game before May. So yeah. But That's he pitched right. well. He pitched well in April, in uh, March and April too. But uh, he didn't win a game. Yeah, tough luck. Tough. I think luck. he's four and four now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Well, we'll see when. I think the uh, announcements will come this coming week, but if not, early the following week. So we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, it's time for Rockin' with Roki, the Rewa rock star on Friday night at Tokyo Dome. He did not look good and. Nope. Uh, it was Roki versus the Giants, which sort of sounds like a children's story or something. And, and the Giants kind of ate him up and spat him out and said, get you, get you and your beanstalk and get the heck out of our out of our big egg. Um, <laughs> yeah, there was no happy ending for Roki on this night. He They ended up losing, and uh, he took his first loss in quite a while, but he just didn't look good. Um, he allowed five runs in five innings, eight hits. He struck out six. He walked one. But you and I were tweeting, tweeting or messaging. We were messaging each other on this day, and we were talking about it. And uh, didn't really seem to have. I thought it was something with his footing. I didn't know if it, he was stepping. He just found the mound kind of weird, and he wasn't stepping right. And so his fastball just wasn't the normal thing that we've seen. He, he was throwing uh, hard, but it just it just didn't have the didn't seem to have the life as. As it usually does, and then his fork ball was just kind of like more like a, a knuckleball, and he didn't know where it was going. And uh, sometimes it went in a good a good bad spot, and sometimes it went in a bad bad spot. What'd you see? Uh, yeah, I wasn't paying attention to a couple of things um, that you mentioned, but I did remember that he had he said he the he found the mound at Osaka Dome to be a little steeper than he was used to. He couldn't quite adjust to it Mm -hmm. the first time there on that May 24th, his infamous May 24th start. And I have heard that the mound at Osaka Dome and Koshien and Hiroshima and Nagoya Dome and Tokyo Dome are all very similar. Mm. So that is going to be, you know, well, that's one of the things if, if all your games are at home and you're used to that and you have, you know, as we've said, people have, have said, you know, he's really amazing, but we want to see him go through things. And this is, these are the things people have to go through is varying conditions. Right. And so he's still, you know, this is something he's got to add to his, you know, his, uh, you know, the adjustments he needs to make. So I think the mound was a problem. His velocity continued to drop. A week earlier, he hit 164 one time. In all his good games, he's been hitting 164 three, four, five times. His average uh-huh. has been over 160 kilometers per hour. Last week, he hit 164 once. On this past Friday, he hit 162 once. 
So his velocity is down. Uh, his fastball command was nowhere, pretty much nowhere. The quality of the fastball was not good. The quality of the fastball last week was also not good, um, especially when the ball was up. He was, they were straight. Yeah, His, they, yeah they, they just had no life, yeah. They were all over the place. I mean, he, he couldn't locate. He was always behind in counts, and so he was uh, struggling with that. And one thing I noticed, uh, you, what you mentioned about the, the fork ball was, I think, perfectly accurate. I thought, you know, his the quality of the stuff on the fork ball was better than his fastball, but he was also, he had very little control of that either. He probably threw maybe a fifth, a fifth or a third of them more or less where he wanted to. It was just, I think uh, the, the, one of the key takeaways for me was watching Komatsukawa's where he wa- he was setting his target, which is not in the zone most of the time. When mm. he's good, he's going to be calling a lot of pitches in the zone. But I got the feeling that, that they were getting a little gun shy and, you know, that didn't help. You know, so he'd set, he was setting up like a normal pitcher, which is on the corners. Right. And hoping he wasn't going to miss, um, you know, miss with a bad pitch up the middle like he did with that, that fork ball to, to uh, Kazumo Komodo. Oh, yeah, that thing. <laughs> But you know, and I will, and I wrote about this yesterday. But because there was a story about how the Giants were like the team that figured out the figured out Roki Sasaki when none of the Pacific League teams could do it, and you know, yada yada yada. Yeah, it's that Giants pride talking. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's not that. It's 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 a whole genre of you know, if you're going to have a hero, you can't have your opponent be making mistakes or, you know, be underperforming, but he was, the pitches weren't good. I mean, credit to them for putting, you know, for, for putting the bat on the ball. I mean, because people don't hit all the fat pitches and they did it. They did a good job with what they had, but if, if he was throwing the stuff that he'd been throwing against some teams, uh, the giants wouldn't have won. Right, right. They would have had this. Well, they would have probably won because the Marines don't know how to score, but that's another story. That's and also Shosei Togo against one of the worst offensive teams in Japan did really well. So credit to him as well. Right. So, yeah, Sasaki uh, recent starts uh, five innings on Friday, six innings to start before that, six to start before that. Uh, hasn't really thrown more than he threw 97 pitches on May 20th, but hasn't he's been really hanging around the 90 pitch mark so um i I can't say that i'm seeing fatigue or anything in in there i just you know i think it's remember this is technically the first time he has done this whole thing from the start of camp to now last year he was protected again so Mm -hmm. um yeah he only made one start on six days rest last year yeah so this is new for him and he's going through the adjustments and Uh, i uh, we haven't seen anything whether he's going to start again this week, but I right. think they would have already deactivated him if oh, they didn't intend yeah. him to start on Friday. So I suspect we will see him on Friday yeah. against okay. the DNA Bay Stars. 
So yeah, he's still just 20. So you got to keep that in mind here. You got to keep that in mind. All right. And there was one note. So I tweeted something out. We'll close with this. Uh, we'll make it real quick. Right, Jim? Mm-hmm. I tweeted out the fact that the Hawks had uh, blown a After they blew a lead, I heard a note on the radio station that I was listening to. And it said the Hawks, they've lost games in which they held a lead at some point 10 times this season. And uh, since I tweeted it out, um, because I had noticed that they had lost a few too, and I thought, okay, this this might be a problem. We got some responses, or I got some responses, but Jim also uh, looked into the numbers a little bit deeper. So, what'd you find? I found that the, uh, you know, I didn't know what to think about it, so I'll I'll just leave it at that because I didn't know the context, and that's why I looked at the numbers. You know, how many teams? How all? How common is it? One, it's basically. Uh, losses about 40 percent of the losses in japanese pro baseball happen after the losing team it led at some point okay but the hawks are right are as of sunday's games are 11 they've lost 22 games and 11 of them they had a lead so that's half Uh, so that's it's about half and they were probably a little better than average until about the middle of may since mm-hmm. uh, 15th of May, they've they've been uh, struggling, holding on to their their uh, leads at some point in the game. And, you know, and some some of these leads are small early leads, and some of them are middle inning, excuse me, middle inning leads. Hiccup there. So they're all kinds of leads. It's nothing. It's not nothing horrible or pernicious. I think. What's the significance of you know 40 being the average and then having a 50 percent? Right. Well, I don't know how significant it is. It's just more than normal. Um, I don't. I don't know, but it seems it seems pretty consistent. I looked at 2020. The average was forty one percent. 2021, it was thirty nine percent. So I think that's about the norm. Yeah. And you looked at entire seasons and we're yeah, whole seasons about, yeah, of all of NPB teams. Plus, yeah, we're only talking about fifty plus games so far. So we have to extrapolate over a whole season, but I, which I don't think we can do. And you have to understand their, their closer has been injured. And uh, I think uh, uh, Levon Moinello had some ups and downs as the back end guy. And they've also been putting in numerous uh, guys trying to get them to get outs in certain situations. And so they've had, they've had a revolving door, so to speak, at, on the mound in terms of trying to get some of those outs late in games. And even today, they left this. Uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, this guy doesn't have much experience. Uh, Kazuki Sugimiyama, and he doesn't have a lot of experience, but they kind of left him out there trying to squeeze every last pitch out of him today before they went to the bullpen. And it resulted in some tack on runs for the Dragons. But yeah, they've, they've been having some struggles in the bullpen. But uh, I think we have to look at the long, the long term. And I, I think there's going to be ups and downs in bullpens through the course of the season. And um, I wouldn't be alarmed unless, you know, we get to August, late August, and they're still at 50%. So let's, let's keep mm. an eye on that number. If we can. All right. All right. Uh, we'll deal with questions next week. Anyone who has one, please send it to Y A K Y U J O H N at gmail.com. Hit us up on twitter at jbw podcast with the hashtag high heat or leave us a note some criticism uh send a picture <laughs> tell us about your favorite team or something yeah. on the on the facebook page 
uh, and we, we love to get some MP3s, haven't had any in a long time. So uh, hope to see that. Look for us on Google Play. We will talk to you next week. Enjoy your baseball. See you at the last week of Interleague Ballparks, fans. Follow the hosts on Twitter at JBW Podcast and at JBallAllen. And feel free to submit your questions by email or tweet with hashtag HighHeat. Thank you for listening to Japan Baseball Weekly.